Damn, 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 son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 17 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Dragon Browns, a.k.a. Shaggy Higgins. And I am joined here by one of my best friends, Demarcus, a.k.a. Nigga Marcus, a.k.a. Capital Defense. How are you doing today, Demarcus? What, you, what is the capital defense? One? I, don't, I don't understand. Uh, actually, that brings us to something very interesting. I got a hilarious question from one of our listeners today. And, okay. you know, the Proud Boys got off standby, decided to I'm rush aware. the capital. And mm-hmm. the question is, what NFL defense this year most represents the police defense of the capital? Ooh, it's gotta be the Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys, it is, huh? Is well, that's the correct choice. I like it was a question, correct, I believe. <laughs> it was a question. It was a question. Or you know what? Better yet, it is the Jets on that like fourth down play at the end of the game where they called a zero blitz. The one that got Greg Williams fired. <laughs> that one. Well, eventually got everybody fired, but yes, that one. <laughs> okay, facts. Jets or Cowboys? That is a good question. We are going to inquire our listeners this week and see which of these teams most represents our capital defense. We have an exciting show for everybody today. We are going to get into our wild card predictions, do a recap of our regular season predictions for all the NFL teams. Spoiler alert, I smoked Demarcus's ass. And get into our new segment, RPO. The run pass option where we give you some of the major headlines in sports this week and let you know if we're going to run with them or pass on them. And finally, give you some good news about Juju Smith-Schuster as he receives this week's Ballers Bouquet. Welcome to the tea off. Ooh, spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on some of our favorite athletes and the crazy situations they get themselves into. This week, our tea off centers around Cleveland Browns left tackle Jedrick Wills Jr. and Rashad Higgins, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. If you all aren't familiar with these two players, uh, Higgins was a fifth-round draft pick in 2016. He recently signed a one-year deal with Cleveland for the vet minimum. And he's a Dallas native, actually. He went to high school in Mesquite. Didn't know that. Yeah. And Wills was the number 10 overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Has started almost every single game for the Browns this year. And both of them were cited for drag racing this Tuesday morning. And the... Citation happened in Westlake, Ohio. It's like 10 miles away from where the Cleveland Browns practice. So they really weren't too far off from where they needed to be anyway. And they, where they live. Honestly, that makes sense. Like short commute, et cetera. Westlake, mm-hmm. based off the videos Sounds that I've seen. Affluent. Yeah, the videos also look like some pretty nice houses in the videos that uh, came out. But they were pulled over early in the morning, like 9.30 a.m., and were written tickets for like $124 because they were allegedly 
drag racing in a construction zone. Where there were workers present. Where there was workers present. So there was a cop present. So apparently, like, they took off and the cop is like, what the fuck? And of course, immediately tracks them down and they both get pulled over. Not much interesting happened with Willis Jr. I'm going to be honest. Like, for the younger of the two players, Willis is only 21, right? He was pretty uh, smart about how he dealt with the situation. Absolutely. Higgins, on the other hand, honestly, he's like your age, dude. He's like 26. He should know better. He should know better. But regardless, the police pulled them over separately because they're in two separate cars. Like, to be fair, if you're going to do some wild shit, drag racing is a very COVID-friendly activity that you shouldn't be doing. You are socially distanced, I guess. Especially if you leave that nigga in the dust. But <laughs> here's where the interesting thing happens. When they are pulling over Higgins, the cop says they smell marijuana. Mm. 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 And the best part about this is that this is all recorded. There's dash cam footage from the police officer's vehicle for honestly both searches. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's like, ah, it's honestly both searches. So the first one is like, he's like, nah, I smoked in here yesterday. I ain't got nothing on me. I ain't smoked. I ain't smoked today. And they're like, yo, play it. It smells a little loud in this car for you to smoke yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I know I, what that smell like. <laughs> like, I wish I would have tried to get some shit off like that. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, nigga. I was smoking yesterday in this bitch. I'm good. You now. mean this morning? <laughs> So the cops search Higgins and his vehicle. They find a joint on Higgins in his person. And one of the cops says, look, getting busted for weed out here would be bad press. You guys are celebrities around here. You do not want that hitting the news. So I'm only going to give you this ticket for drag racing. And he says only because the construction workers saw all of it. Exactly. And were alarmed. I mean, look, you got to get some cachet for finally leading Cleveland to a playoff berth in football, right? Like, big hometown <laughs> heroes right now. Come on, play. He literally, quite, he literally says, y'all are heroes. How would this look? You have to be better than that. I mean, come on. Their playoff drought is of legal age. Their playoff drought could be drafted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the playoff draft uh, uh, is older than the other player. What are you talking about? But this is the funniest part. Well, not funny. Honestly, kind of odd because it's all on camera. The cop acknowledges that it's on camera. We have the footage. And the first thing I want to point out is like Josh Gordon has to be punching air right now for how <laughs> for how this is all being handled. <laughs> uh, if y'all are familiar with Josh Gordon, he's been suspended for the NFL for the majority of his career for marijuana. But like six times. I, I do think he's been suspended longer than he's been actually playing. Like, he's probably been suspended for more games than he's played. Uh, put it this way, he's still hanging around, but he came in around the time that Des Bryant came in, if that puts it in perspective. <laughs> and he's played less games than Des has. Mm. But Which, if you know anything about Des in the past few years, that's not a lot. Look, Des looked good those past couple games. He was getting TDs. I'm not saying he didn't, but he didn't play for a long time. Let's digress. So the cop pulls a joint out of Higgins' pocket. He then tries to put it on the hood of the car. He has some difficulty doing that because of how 
and honestly, shout out to shout out to Higgins, bro. He rolls a nice <laughs> ass joint. Like real talk. Like real talk. That, that bitch was special. pearl. That shit was pearl. I can't even hate on him. Like it couldn't even stay on a car. That shit was pearl. And then he has <laughs> Demarcus is laughing because he knows it's true. You're so you're so just enthusiastic about this though. Give that nigga his props. What other Respect. good thing are you going to be able to say about this man during this story? You're right. Exactly. You're right. That man Pearl's a fucking <laughs> J. Congratulations. I'm going to give That's you your flowers while you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> and the craziest part about this is then the cop has Higgins destroy the blunt, like step on it, ruin it, and kick it into the sewer. There's no mention of it in the police report in any of the official documents. It's just been, if it wasn't for this dash cam footage leaking, which whoever was the snitch ass nigga that gave it to TMZ from the police department is foul. <laughs> and apparently well, is not I'm a Brown fan. Like, <laughs> we, we can't get footage of other things that happened from body cam for months. No, that shit was off, bro. But that shit this, was off. This was like two, was this even two days? No, honestly, it's, we are recording on Wednesday. It happened on Tuesday. It wasn't a day. <laughs> yeah. They got that shit fast, fast. <laughs> that shit came through yeah. with Jimmy John. TMZ wants, TMZ has got to be the most efficient news deliverer when it comes to breaking news like this. Like they somehow always get what they should never have. Like even think back to the Beyonce elevator footage. Like, no one else even knew that existed and TMZ was like yeah we got that or when TMZ got the Tyreek Hill footage of him kicking homegirl or uh, who's the running back from Oklahoma um, Oklahoma State uh, plays for what the Bengals now who punched the white girl in like the Taco Bell have you not Wait, seen this what <laughs> what okay, the, Bengals, to, the-, the Bengals running backs are like what Giovanni Bernard is the backup and the starter is, uh, he got hurt a bunch this year. He did, but uh, is that, is he that dropped in the about? draft. I believe so, yes. Oh, shit. I should know this dude's name. Oh, my God. I think I even had him in fantasy this year, too. Oh. But just that like dude? that, yeah. You haven't seen this video, apparently, I, but TMZ had Yo, it. I have not seen this video, and I'm kind of shook. Oh, he just straight up. Yeah, Joe Mixon. video. I, Joe, Joe Mixon? Mixon, yes. Joe Mixon, yes, Joe oh Mixon. shit. Dude, yes. Okay, I remember some weird shit happening with Joe Mixon like that, but I never saw the video. Oh, the video's terrible. Don't watch oh, the video. <laughs> you damn. might like him less as a running back if you watch the video. Oh, damn. Okay, so this all happens. They have him destroy the blunt. They get rid of it. Uh, he tosses it down into his, like the sewer where his car is kind of parked, and they, they let him go. And We'll get to the rest of this blunt story and the way the police department had to respond to the footage once it was leaked because it was very interesting to me. But what I want to talk about the most is that Higgins did not seem to care about this citation or none of this shit. He got off so easy that he immediately got on Twitter and tweeted, foot slip, sorry. And then he tweeted after that, yo, I was trying to get away from COVID. (laughs) That's... Probably not the best COVID joke you're ever going to hear. That's <laughs> PC. And like, I just don't understand why won't famous niggas or niggas at all just stay off Twitter when they are fighting a case or actively dealing with the law? Because the kind of people who have to act of deal with the law can't help themselves. 
Come on. Like literally. Apparently, Wills could. He's like, look, so nobody, has, he tweeted this, and it was like way more reasonable of a tweet. It doesn't implicate him in guilt in any way, even though like on camera, we hear the cop giving Higgins the citation, and he's like, you have to show up to court on January 19th. This isn't something that you cannot show up for. It is a mandatory thing. Mm-hmm. And then he got on Twitter. <laughs> you know he got a good lawyer. That, that, that nigga or the really, team will help him out. That nigga, really, that nigga really pulled off and started tweeting while driving to talk shit after getting his citation. But Will says, so nobody has ever tried to beat someone off of a line at a red light for a max of like 30 meters. I blowing it way out of proportion. I know y'all road ragers have. Like it wasn't really drag racing, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so their lawyer pled not guilty for both of them. It seems like they're using the same lawyer. This is something that, you know, <laughs> Baker and Dunbar could have definitely uh tried in their situation. But they're using the same lawyer. The lawyer pled not guilty and for both of them in the case. And the lawyer had to say, I can tell you from the tickets I can see there's no speed indicated. And from the discussions, limited discussions with my client, I can tell you their intention was not to race one another. You buying that? That's a solid. That's a solid. I'll say, I don't know if I'm buying it. I I haven't seen footage, dash cam footage of the actual incident, which I believe has to exist as well and will eventually come out. But that sounds like a solid legal defense. That lawyer is earning his paycheck. And then he went on to say it may have appeared that way to the officer that I am sure is a fine man. But that wasn't their intent by any stretch. You know, he had to big up that officer after, you know, dropping the weed charge on his nigga. <laughs> I am sure he's a fine man. <laughs> so the the part about no speed being indicated on the tickets is probably pretty important. and will likely lead to this being thrown out. Just totally. In a construction zone, though? Uh, but to prove they're racing, you, you probably got to indicate the speed. That is fair. That is fair, but they probably weren't clocking them as much as they saw them jet super fast past the construction zone. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. I'm sure I'm sure we will hear more about this. Mm-hmm. And it is so then the video leaks, of course, they see the whole marijuana evidence being destroyed and whatnot. And the police said, and I have to quote this Higgins was not given any special treatment. It is very common. Most of the time, it's just a small amount. We don't investigate it any further. The person involved voluntarily gets rid of it before any more action is taken. Now, I want to ask you this, Demarcus, real talk. How many poor and unrecognizable niggas in Cleveland are saying bullshit to that statement right now? Probably 100,000. <laughs> like, how many of them niggas got locked <laughs> Either got at least got a ticket, got locked up, got hauled to jail for the night, whatever, whatever it was. I, I don't believe that. Misdemeanor charge. It's like there's no special is, treatment here. Yes, it is true that I mean you would have been better off just saying that police officers have um discretion as opposed to saying there was no special treatment. Because we 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 fall seen the video. He clearly says, You all are basically heroes around here. You have to be better. We're just gonna <laughs> get rid of this. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm just like what on camera? I couldn't. I couldn't imagine getting pulled over by a cop in Denver, <laughs> <laughs> having a joint in my pocket, and getting off this easy. Like, come on. <laughs> Look, if found guilty, it is punishable by up to six months in jail 
and a $1,000 fine. So clearly with the lawyers that they can afford and have, this is going to go nowhere. And if anything, they should be way more worried about league punishment than real life's consequences. Oh, yeah. Real life will be like, here's a little fine that means nothing to you. And do some community service, which will end up being him like taking pictures with kids at a hospital or something next Christmas. Literally. Facts. And that is your tee off. Oh, oh, oh. Spit that tea, sis. Spit that tea, sis. Y'all, it's Tony Playboy. All right, we are going to get into our hindsight is 2021 segment, as well as our predictions for wild card weekend. We are going to start there. The markets. First game on our docket that we want to talk about. Colts versus the Bills. Who do you have? I think it's the Bills. Uh, I've been high on the Bills all year long. Um, That's true. I think, um, I think they've outperformed where even I thought they would be at the beginning of the season. Um, Allen has taken a big step forward. Uh, Diggs has looked like a fits like a glove in this offense. They've maximized what they get out of Cole Beasley. The running game is still there. The defense is not quite as good as it has, it has been in the past couple of years, but still serviceable. Um, I've got the Bills winning this game easily. I am also with the Bills. Cannot argue with that. They are the hottest team in the NFL right now, and it looks like it's going to be hard for anybody to stop them. And we saw what they did to the Dolphins' defense last week. Oh, absolutely. The Colts can't match that. I, I believe, if I'm correct, that they will play Kansas City in the second round, and that is a game I'm very much looking forward to. Okay. I'll my schedule that Sunday. Okay. Let's go over to the NFC, the Rams versus the Seahawks. So this one's a little bit closer than you would think. Um, these are obviously divisional rivals. They've played each other. This will be the third time this year, I believe. And um, I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. Um, despite Russell Wilson not looking great lately, Jared Goff still got that thumb injury, I believe. That's going to affect his ability to throw the football in this game. I think uh, between that and a solid Seattle defense, which has played better since their midseason acquisition, um, it'll be really hard for the Rams to win this game. Their uh, suspect quarterback play and a better Seahawks defense will uh, win and catapult them to the second round again. Mm, I remember when you called the Seahawks pretenders. I have never jumped off the Russ bandwagon. Oh, I think the team had serious flaws, but Russ is Russ. I, I, look, I knew as soon as that Carlos Dunlap trade happened, it was coming. It was coming. You they, were right on people that People were woofing because Jamal Adams was hurt, so he couldn't help their pass rush. But we are going to move on to probably the easiest game to call. Bucks versus the team with no name. The Washington the football, football team. team. Um, this, is, this is Tampa Bay and the Bucks. Uh, they have been hot as well lately. Uh, Tom Brady's looked hot lately um, when it comes to his connection with Antonio Brown. I think things will be somewhat simplified with the injury to Mike Evans. And it kind of simplifies what the reads are. Um, and what Tom Brady has to do. Um, he obviously has a connection with Brown already. And then what is it? Chris Godwin is the other receiver. Um, Gronk's still there. And Gronk's still there, which is a, is a, is a good enough set of uh, weapons to win a playoff game. Um, the Washington football team has a really good defense. They have a great pass rusher. You know, Chase Young was tweeting about wanting Tom Brady and, and wanting to get him. How do you feel him. about that? I like it. 
Talk that I shit, like young blood. That, 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 that is what I want out of my number. Was he number two draft pick who uh, probably should win, uh, you know, all kind of defensive awards over the next 10 years in the NFL. I want him to talk like that. Other great players have done that. Now I need him to do this to come through. Like they could lose, but I need him still to come through, keep him hungry for years going forward, validate what he knows about his talent um, as opposed to, you know, letting the voices get in his head. All right. Ravens versus the Titans. <laughs> this <laughs> I think is everyone it. knows where I'm going on this. I've said the same thing all season long, and I think this is still true in this rematch from last year's playoffs. The Ravens want no part in tackling Derrick Henry. Um, if they do, I will be very surprised um, about that. But I, this this is simple. They can't tackle Derrick Henry. Uh, uh, what a uh, 17 is playing well for Tennessee at quarterback um they've got great coaching this this should be an easy in my opinion titans win wow this is the one we're gonna disagree on i am taking the ravens the ravens are finally back on track after that bout with covid losing lamar losing some other players and they look good right now their defense looks stronger their offense looks really good and i agree nobody wants any part of derrick henry however no one can touch Lamar Jackson. And Lamar and J.K. Dobbins right now as a one-two running punch is practically unstoppable. See, they have been running all over teams. And the most important part is Lamar looks really comfortable throwing the ball at this point in time in the season. He um, struggled a lot earlier. Get, he did struggle. I think he's going to get a lot track. more pressure. In the playoffs, uh, I mean, the Titans have no the, pass rush, and Lamar can't throw the ball. So I mean, it is the it's, uh, he can. That's what I'm saying. He's looked a lot better throwing the ball as of late. But I think, for example, the Titans, like a lot of teams, will try to sell out on stopping the run and make it really difficult for the Ravens to do what they want to do and try to make Lamar win this game throwing. And I'm not sure he can do it. Okay, I think that the Titans of last year had the defense to do that. The Titans of this year do not. And okay. these are not the Ravens that got to take the bye off and sit the year before, like sit the game before, like Kansas City did this year. These Ravens are hot and they have been playing consistent the last couple of weeks, making their push into the playoffs. But we also know you didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Bears did versus not. the Saints. Saints. <laughs> I mean, come on. This this is real simple. The Bears somehow lost in week 17 and still got in. Um, no. That's just trending in the bad direction to begin with. We played we have the, the Saints. And the Saints are right behind them in the NFC as far as toughness and being able to beat them. I think the Saints were, what, the number two seed? Yeah, but, okay, so the Packers were a better team. It's not like we lost to a bad team. We lost to the best oh. team in the NFC. I'm not saying you lost to a bad team, but I'm saying this team is just about as good as them, and I think they're going to beat you. Okay. You know, Alvin Kamar might not be able to play because mm-hmm. he is on the COVID list. And I think in a situation where he's not on that field, we actually have a great chance. Better? I don't know if I'd say great. I, I think great. They, if Alvin Kamar and Michael Thomas are not on the field, who is he throwing the ball to besides uh, Emmanuel Sanders? Well, I think you also need 2017. Well, first off, who's... Starting at quarterback for the Bears in this game. It's always going to be Mitchell Trubisky at this point in the season. 
and he has actually looked good. He put up like 30 plus points in five straight games. I'm not saying he's our quarterback of the future, but he's Mr. Right now. Oh, he's going to do just well enough to convince you all that he is your quarterback. Who is you all? Let him go. Who is you all? You all being the Bears management and fans. I, I, I hope not, but you know. Here we are. You know how this goes. He's gonna. Like, I'm saying it. It could be a very close game that's competitive where he looks decent, but makes a couple of mistakes, and they'll say, "Oh, he's in. Was this year four? You know, yeah. we can we can sign him to a maybe a team friendly deal, and we can continue to grow with him. Yada yada. You know how teams will convince you, themselves after this kind of thing. You only sign him to a team friendly deal if you are going to try to get rid of Nick Foles and bring in somebody else to compete with him. And honestly, at this point, I'm just like, I'm not sure if you keep him, you should keep Matt Nagy. That's where I'm oh, at. Oh, I think they're incompatible. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to say they're incompatible. I'm just like, if you are going to bank on this kid's talent, this guy has clearly not been the person to jar it out of him. You got to try something else. I got an idea. What's up? Real quick, kind of off topic. Eagles. Wentz. Give them some draft picks, backup quarterback, and you get wins back. That that money is so much. I don't think we'll do it. Not, you're not paying Trubisky with it, so why not? But we're going to have some- to. We're going to have to pay him though. We declined his fifth year option, so we have to sign him to a new deal. Either we have to franchise him, or his agent's not going to let him sign like a one two year deal in the NFL as a quarterback. See, this is why the if, NFL needs like signing franch- trades. If we franchise him, we Definitely can't afford Carson Wentz. Oh, no, that's like $30 million. But that's what I'm saying. So I don't think Carson Wentz is we'll an have option. To come for back us. To this. We'll have to come back to this. It is an interesting one, but I do not think Carson Wentz is an option for us. The very last game is probably, I think, the most interesting game of the weekend. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who you got? So my take on this is real simple and basic, and you can disagree with it, but I think the logic is solid. That is, they played last week in week 17. The Browns won 24-20 or 24-22 or something like that. It was a very close game. But the Steelers set their, like, four best players. Big Ben didn't play. Pouncey didn't play. A couple other really important pieces. Um, And it was a game that the Browns needed to win, so they probably put out maybe their best stuff or their second best stuff. It was a really important game. You don't leave anything on the table for that game. And now Pittsburgh plays them again, where their star players have had rest. They just saw everything Cleveland can do and already played a close game with their backups in. Uh, they are, their starters have are well-rested. I think they will win this game at home easily. Okay. I originally was going to take the Browns, actually, because I just believe like this Browns team was trending in the right direction. They were still recovering from a COVID outbreak. Like, they lost one of their key offensive guards. They have players in and out in the protocol. But then they lost Kevin Stefanski, too. So I can no longer take my Browns pick in good conscience. I believe the Steelers route the Browns in an embarrassing fashion. But, hey, Cleveland will just be happy to be there. No, this was a a win or loss. Cleveland had a successful season. Oh. They can build off of. And that lets them know Baker can get it done and they can keep him around, which is also important. Agreed. Let's get into our hindsight is 2021. We talked about this on the last episode. We were going to go back and compare our predictions 
for how the teams were going to do this season and compared to their actual record at the end of the season. As you heard in the intro, I crushed the markets. And I don't want to do a points total because it'd just be like, it'd be embarrassing. And like, I'm not a guy that likes to pile on, you know, that's not my style. But instead, the way we've marked this is, you know, ideally, if you're on the money, have the exact score, exact game total, like win loss, two points is what I was going to say. And if you were within one game, you know, just another one point, anything further out than that, you know, this ain't this ain't horseshoes. So let's start with the division. I think most prognosticators like ourselves did quite terrible on, and that is the NFC least. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, but reasonably so. You couldn't have predicted that Dak would have a freak injury, as well as a bunch of other injuries on the Cowboys. You couldn't have predicted that Carson Wentz would have such, such great regression in his for a fifth year in this league. And uh, the Giants were not that unexpected whatsoever. They did about where you would see them doing before the season. Okay. So let's start with the Redskins. I predicted them to be. Oh. The football team. The football team. I did it again. Oh, no. You did this 15 or 16 weeks ago, too. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. They identify as a football team. I apologize, Washington. Uh, The Washington football team. I had them going five and eleven. How about you, Demarcus? I had them going six and ten. Um, they ended up going seven and nine, so I was within one game um, on that prediction. Okay, so not bad. I just didn't know that that would win the division. <laughs> <laughs> I would, if, if obviously, if you would ask me in August or September what seven and nine for the football team gets them, like they can sit at home or go to Mexico. <laughs> Okay, the Cowboys. I had them going a generous eight and eight. How about you, Demarcus? I had them going eleven and five. Ooh. Um, for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Um, and I wasn't, to be clear, the only one who predicted such things. <laughs> sure. Um, they had a slow start, even with Dak Prescott. And then once he got well, he got hurt partially because of a bunch of other injuries. But it all went down the. Down the toilet real fast. Zeke um, forgot how to hold a ball. October. It was weird. I remember. After all the offensive line starters are, are like out for the season. What does that the, have to do with Zeke's they, hands? They have no one on defense whatsoever in the secondary. Um, I could cover better than those corners. Um, <laughs> I love when people say that because no, they can't, nigga. It's hyperbole, <laughs> no, but it's, it's you, you know, you know, it's hyperbole <laughs> a little bit, but. Okay, 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 okay. Let me say, I can play the safety. I can play safety better. <laughs> but knew the defense was was bad, but thought the offense would be better. It wasn't what, it, what we thought it was going to be. I had them at eleven and five. They go six and ten. Uh, about halfway through the season, if you listen to the show, you know that I kind of changed my tune, and I was hoping for them to lose so they would have a better draft pick. Uh huh. Um, and so in week seventeen, I got what I wanted. Okay, that one is a tough one, but let's keep it moving to the Eagles. And I will admit, I had the Eagles going 10 and 6. Same. Unfortunately, they went 4, 10, and 1. Had a disastrous season. We will leave it at that and go on to the New York football giants, who I had going 6 and 10. And ding, 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 nigga, they went 6 and 10. Yeah, I had them going 8 and 8. 
Um, I think if they had had Daniel Jones in those couple of games that he missed, that's very probable they go eight and eight and win this division, um, which is what I thought would happen. Uh, but without the him for those those games, it makes sense they went six and ten. About what you'd expect for this team right now, especially with you no know, Saquon, who they lost very early in the year. I think in like week two or three. Okay. Moving on to the NFC North. This is a division that I got every team within one game besides the Packers. And we'll start with my favorite, the Bears. I had them going nine and seven. Demarcus had them going eight and eight. Eight and eight at best. He did say eight and eight at best. He was talking heavy shit. And to be fair, we went eight and eight at, at our best. So. <laughs> <laughs> so where's the lie? <laughs> Look, we're, but we're in the playoffs, nigga. So it don't matter. <laughs> it would also. It's weird to see, for example, the eight and eight Bears in the playoffs, but in, in other parts of the league, ten and six teams are sitting at home right now. The Dolphins. So. I would not have predicted that an 8-8 eight eight team was guaranteed to make the playoffs, which is, I thought the Bears would be 8-8, eight eight, but I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. thought there'd be other teams coming out of other divisions to get those wild card spots. But I was wrong, um, at least on making the playoffs. But, you know, you can't predict everything. 2020 was a weird year. All right. The Vikings, I predicted them to go 8-8. Eight and eight. What about you? I had them at 10-6. and six. Ooh, yeah, um, you were high on them. I thought they were a little bit more competent than they actually were. Uh, particularly um, on defense early in the year. Um, Dalvin Cook played well. They just weren't able to capitalize on that. And he was healthy for, for most of the season. season, which is like for kudos the first to time him. in a long yeah. time. Uh, they That's went seven and nine. They mm-hmm. went seven and nine. So, you know, I was one game off. The Packers, they went 13 and three. And maybe we were, I was just sleep on them, but I had them going 11 and five. And I thought I was being like, you know, reasonable. Um, I was also at 11 and five. I was down on Rogers before the year started. Um, as far as his progress as a passer or him getting better and may, and he had developed a, a, a reputation for better or worse as being someone who kind of threw away the ball if he couldn't make the perfect pass. Um, but you know, he did really well this season. I think they, I think by most prognosticators, uh, predictions overperformed. All right. The Detroit lions, they went Five and eleven. I had them going six and ten. So still just one off. Where'd you have them at? Um, I had them, I believe at like four and twelve or something like that. They were never gonna be a good football team. Matt Patricia is terrible. I think we talked about this early in the season. How I, I told you he was gonna get fired first before Adam Gase, and damn you, wasn't I right. How Adam Gase lasted 17 weeks, I don't know. Uh, well, actually, okay, okay, I do know. They had miraculous wins to get themselves out of the number one draft pick late in the season. And first off, I would have fired him for winning at that point. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I know you bad, but don't, don't turn around and be good and, and mess up a good thing. Don't, you know, don't snatch uh, victory from the jaws of defeat. Like the, or, they fired or, you know, the Greg Williams for the zero blitz. After the zero blitz. They should have fired Adam Gates at the same time. So they wouldn't win no more games. It they, sounds they like didn't. they should have kept Greg Williams. So he could have kept throwing the damn games. <laughs> <laughs> they should, yeah, they should have fired Gase and elevated Williams to head coach, so he could call more zero blitzes all game long. But um, no, Lions were going to be a bad team. Matthew Stafford, of course, had all kinds of problems with COVID and injuries this season. He was absolutely banged up. Not surprising. NFC West. All right, NFC West. The first team I want to talk about is the team that I think a lot of people got wrong this year, 
the San Francisco 49ers, who went 6-10. and 10. Yeah, and that's really odd. I mean, they had a really big Super Bowl hangover, larger than anyone else expected. I don't think um, it was a know, Super Bowl hangover. It was just injuries everywhere. Uh, uh, well, that that is, I mean, I think you can categorize it as either, uh, but Grappolo getting hurt and having such a, I think, serious high ankle sprain that I've ever, ever seen early in the season trying to play through it. They had all other kind of basically freak injuries, running backs in and out of the lineup all year. Um, there's then speculation about Jimmy Grappolo being traded and uh, because the way his contract is set up, it just added fuel to the fire. Um, this this makes sense in hindsight, um, kind of 2020, you know, but didn't quite see this happening that soon or that quickly. Yeah, I had them going 11 and five. All right, the Rams. Um, so I was pretty low on the Rams. I had them at seven and nine. They ended up at actually going 10 and six. I think people can see why it was low on them. They had their lows during the season, but they eventually got it together. But, you know, kudos to them. I had them going nine and seven. Another team I was only one off on. I thought this was going to be a good football team. They were trending in the right direction at the end of last year. Even though they started worse, they started shedding some of their big money that wasn't productive. And I think that was huge for them in getting a rebound season. The Seattle Seahawks. Ding, ding, fucking ding, nigga. I called them being 12 and four and they went 12 and four. My faith never wavered in Russ cooking. You act like I just thought Russ was going to be terrible. I had them going 13 and three. I was higher on them going into the season than you were. <laughs> I was within one game. Look, it sounds like you a nigga to switch sides then. Cause you had to go at 13 and three to start calling them niggas pretenders. So it sounds like you just switch sides and it got better. Switching sides ass nigga. That's all I'm going to call say about I, that. Listen, listen, listen. Switching sides ass nigga. I like any reasonable, rational person react to the evidence that I have in front of me throughout this season. I react to what I see the beginning of the season. They were, they, they couldn't stop me from playing wide receiver. And getting What's that down. shit Drake said about you can't be playing both sides. Drake plays both sides. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> keep it moving. <laughs> All right. The Cardinals, they went eight and eight. What did you have them going to Marcus? 10, six. I thought Kyler Murray would have a bigger step forward this season than he did. I thought the addition of DeAndre Hopkins would really help him a lot. Um, and they underperformed a little bit there at the end. Yeah, I had them going 9-7. and seven, So I was still one in the area, but I did think they were going to be better. I did think this team was going to be able to like clinch that playoff spot possibly. And it was disappointing that they couldn't do it. Kyler tried to play through an injury in Week 17, and he was not effective. And I think... They actually might have done better if he had just chosen to not play the entire week and kind of just let them game plan for him not being available. But yeah, even going into week 17, I thought they would get the, the playoff spot over the Bears. Uh, I didn't say all that, but you know, okay. Let's keep it moving on down to the NFC South with the Nolan Saints. Uh, <laughs> ding, ding. um so hit it right on the head 12 and 4 they had their ups and downs this season they played surprisingly better than we thought they would with Taysom Hill at quarterback while Breeze was out with his like 11 rib fractures 
Um, they go, are going in the playoffs as the number two seed, which is right about where they have been for the past four years now, total, um, in the NFC. Okay, I had them going 11 and 5. I didn't get it on the mark. I was, you know, one in the area. But let's move on to a team that DeMarcus had all of the spicy takes for in the beginning of the season the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who went 11 and 5. So I was just two games off. I had them going 9 and 7 for, again, very, very good reasons. Um, and this was, of course, before we ever saw Tom Brady play in a Bucks uniform. They started off the year slow. Tom Brady had ugly interceptions at New Orleans in a, in a primetime game, I want to say. And he just looked old and kind of decrepit. Um, he's still old. He's just not as decrepit as we all thought he would be at this point in the season. Um, don't know what kind of avocado ice cream he's eating, but uh, he's playing quite well right now. I had them going 10-6. and six. I was one win short of their actual metric. It's sad to see, but I knew that Tampa Tom was really going to bring the smoke this year. Let's move on to the laughing stock of the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh boy. Like knew the team wasn't great. Didn't think they would end up going four and 12. I had them at seven and nine. So this is one of my oh. biggest misses um, out of all of the divisions that we did. I was three games off. Uh, them blowing big leads constantly did this all by itself. Like if they had won those games where they all had big leads, I would be right about them. But apparently they don't know how to do that after their, I mean, I think they have some major depression going on from 28 to three, but they need to get, they need to go see somebody about that. I had them going six and 10. So I was also off by two games. It wasn't a good look. Honestly, I, I didn't think they clear house as fast as they did during the season. So, like, that was an interesting thing to see. Let's talk about, you know, Matt Rule, first year with the Carolina Panthers. And, yes, indeed, I called this one on the dot at 5-11. and 11. Yeah, I had them at 8-8. Eight and I eight. Um, was a little bit more optimistic about what Teddy Bridgewater would do based on what I had seen in his time in New Orleans. Uh, but the, the structure was just not there around him whatsoever. Yeah, that's, like, one of the best rosters in football. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you, you, you isolate problems and you try to figure out what's going on. And we know that Bridgewater is definitely not that guy. And, and of course, I realized this midseason when I start cracking jokes about him. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, like we said. All right. Now we'll move on into the AFC. By this point in time in the podcast, only one of us is making predictions for the AFC. I did the AFC West and North. And DeMarcus did the AFC East and South. Take it away. Yeah. So on the AFC East, uh, started with our Buffalo Bills. Um, I had them going uh, 11 and 5. They ended up overperforming that metric and going 13 and 3. Um, I thought, you know, the Bills were a good team last year, would get better. I uh, didn't see the, like we said before in the playoff predictions, the jump that Allen made. Uh, next on the Patriots, um, I said nine and seven. Um, I was not that far off. Anthony thought I was, was ridiculous, actually, when I made this prediction. Um, they ended up going seven and nine, um, which is actually quite good considering how bad their offense looked at the end of the season where Cam Newton was struggling to throw for 100 yards. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I was gassing you a little bit on this one, and I was like, anybody that has the Patriots going less than eight and eight is ridiculous. This is 
disrespectful. I, I was talking big shit. And to be fair, mm-hmm. then they did go seven and nine, and that kind of that hurts. But they were a lot of like single play, single pass, one yard line wins that they could have had, and they just happened to miss out on. This is the team that could have went from seven and nine and nine and seven very easily uh, in this year, but you know it just didn't work out. I didn't expect Cam to be that bad throwing the ball this year, and that was a surprise to me. Even though, like, he did have no receivers, like, but still. Well, really quick note as well. Besides the receivers things, he played much worse after he recovered from COVID than before. Before he recovered from COVID, everyone was like, "Oh, Cam has fixed his throwing motion for the first couple of weeks. He looks much better. He had that really good game against the Seahawks, but they lost. And after he got COVID and then came back, he was not the same player. Um, next, going to the Jets, I knew the Jets would be bad. Um, I was one game off. They were two and 14. I had them going three and 13. Um, you know, if they had not called a zero blitz on that play, was that against the Browns? Who was um, it? I think it was against the Raiders. Raiders. Um, they would be three and 13. So I was pretty close on that one. And then on the Dolphins, um, I was a lot lower on them uh, because, well, they were the Dolphins. They had been bad for a long time and they had a quarterback thing going on. Um, they went 10 and six. I had them at seven and nine. Um, did not think Tua would start um, quite as hot as he did or fade as badly as he did late in the season. <laughs> um, but um, overall, you know, their Fitz Magic wins helped pull them up to 10 and six, I believe, because he came in and saved them a few times. Facts. Facts. Uh, let's go on to the AFC West. And for the AFC West, I had the Chargers going eight and eight. And to be fair, at this point in time, I'm pretty sure like we were still thinking Tyrod Taylor was gonna, you know, show his face. Unfortunately, fucked up his lung. Yeah, unfortunately for the black Alex Smith, he was not able to play this season. The Chargers ended up going seven and nine. I was one off, and that is fair, but the emergence of Justin Herbert is huge. The Chiefs, I had the Kansas City Chiefs going. 13 and three, they exceeded my prediction by one. And I, and they, they went 14 and two. I mean, this was the best team in football during the regular season, no matter how close they made every single game. Wire to wire. Yeah. No matter how close they made every single game, no matter how good or bad the opponent was, which was disappointing. I had the Raiders going nine and seven. I thought they finally get to a winning season under John Gruden. I was off by one game yet again, and they went eight and eight. People have been talking about John Gruden's job, but you don't sign a man to a 10 year contract and bail after year three. <laughs> Not when you broke. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and move on to the AFC one more team. South. There's one oh, more team in the right, AFC West. Right. The, Who is that team? The Broncos, the Denver Broncos. They're basically relevant, but go ahead. They are relevant, but I did get this one on the money. I said they'd go 4-12. and 12. They went 4-12. and 12. They are trash. I thought they'd be trash. We'll keep it moving. AFC South, um, we're starting off with the Titans. Um, I said 10-6. and six. They went 11-5, and five, so I was one game off, um, which I'm very happy about. Derrick Henry was even better than I thought. Got the 2,000 yards rushing, um, and there were games where he literally just took over. Um, next up, the Colts. Um, I had them at nine and seven. They ended up going eleven and five. Um, they had more drama this season than I expected from them. 
They were good. Uh, yeah, uh, almost surprisingly so. Um, like better than I thought. I thought Rivers was old. I thought his arm was kind of weak and he has that weird throwing motion, but actually looked really, really good early on. Was had his ups and downs and ended up finishing kind of up at the end of the year. Um, and so I thought kudos to them. They outperformed my prediction. Uh, the Texans. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Like I knew they weren't going to be good. I called them at seven and nine or six and ten. I wasn't quite sure where to settle on them. They finished four and twelve. Their season was a disaster. And even beyond this, what like Bill O'Brien got fired, yes, but he made such bad moves. That move, uh, that first round draft pick he gave away for or to get Laramie Tunsil, I believe, um, is a top five pick. Um, that looks so bad to a team that needs so much right now. I think it's and number then three. Not, I think it's the third pick in the draft, dude. A, I think it is. Cause I, I honestly think they gave it the third pick in the draft for a guy that then held them over the barrel for money. Uh-huh. Pretty pretty terrible because they could have got a rookie who they could pay almost nothing. For and then he years. was like, because he held us over the barrel for money, we couldn't afford Dia. <laughs> you could have kept that draft pick, got a just as good if not better offensive lineman, Kept D Hop, paid him, and kept Watson happy and paying him. But I digress. Jaguars knew they were going to be bad. Had them at three and thirteen. They ended up worse than that at one and fifteen. Uh, but I did call them one of I think the three worst teams in the league. So I was dead on the money on that. One last thing about the Texans: Did you know they were the only team that did not interview Eric Bieniemy for the head coaching job? Uh, they they were uh, literally the only team with a fucking vacancy that did not. Interview Eric Bieniemy. Okay, question: Who do who is the random black guy that interviewed then for the job? I I have no idea, but like Rooney Rule, you're like who? Did yeah, they if Rooney you got rule? a Rooney Rule, why don't you call the best candidate there is, not just the best black candidate? Because they was never gonna hire him, so why waste his time? I guess so. He got a lot of but, interviews to go to. He got five other interviews to go to. There's six teams that need a head coach and a possible Super Bowl run before he does that. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to the last division, the AFC North. Whew, I was off on the Steelers. I had the Steelers going nine and seven, and I said maybe ten and six, and thought I was being generous. They fucked around and went twelve and four, and were undefeated for the vast majority of the season. So I definitely called this team off and badly. There ain't nothing to say about that. I did pretty terrible for this division. I also had the Ravens going fourteen and two. They went eleven and five. Yeah, yeah. I didn't that slip in midseason where they were really poor and Lamar was having a lot of troubles and then they lost him to COVID and like they had to play Trace McSorley. Like I I couldn't have predicted all that shit happening. But like regardless, I was off by quite a number of games. So I'm gonna take that one on the chin. The Browns I had going ten and six, and I was only off by one game on the Browns. They went uh, 11 and five. So like I was pretty right on the money about the Browns. I told you they'd be coming this year. They were finally going to put it all together. And I think as soon as they lost OBJ, they started clicking and that's just sad to see the last team here. And I feel like I should get two points for this one. And I feel really fucking strongly about this. one. I called the Bengals going four and 12. They went four 11 and one. Like you can't, you can't call a tie. You can. I should get two points for the four and twelve. Ten years. Like four eleven and one. Um, we'll take it to a Twitter poll. We'll see what Twitter says. I like if Twitter says nonsense. you should get the points. You can get the points. Like not. I mean, I smoked you, so like the points don't really matter. It's just about the spread at this point. But like, 
honestly, that one kind of hurt me when I like went back and saw that I was that close and I just did not call the fact that Doug Peterson would play for a tie. <laughs> but hey, here we are. That is our hindsight is 2021 and our wildcard weekend recap. Let us know what you think about our predictions, how close we were, how off we were, the things that you all called. We are super interested to hear it all. What's up, playboy? Yo, let's get into our brand new segment, RPO, the run pass option. We are going to give you some of the major headlines in sports this week and let you know whether or not we're going to run with it or we are going to pass on it. All right, DeMarcus, the first one I have for you is King Henry's MVP odds. Back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons, and last week you said the only time a running back can steal MVP from a quarterback is if he gets those 2,000 yards. His Vegas odds are skyrocketing. Runner pass. I'm going to pass. It's an interesting topic uh, based on both what I said and what he did. Uh, but uh, my homie out in Kansas City has got this locked down. He's not going to win this, but okay. All right. Steph Curry's 62-point game against the Portland Trailblazers. Him and Draymond combined for a whopping 63 points. Steph shoots 50% from the three and 58% from the field. Are we running or are we passing? Oh, we're running. We're running the ball. Listen, this is what I wanted to see out of the Warriors when I heard that Klay Thompson got injured. I want to see Steph Curry be uh, Steph Curry, but I want his usage rate way, way up, like higher than his MVP seasons. Uh, We know this team does not have shooters on it. If this team has any risk of making the playoffs as a seven or eight seed, it'll be because Curry balled out. If he can get them higher than that, possibly the, maybe the five seed, I could easily see if he averages like 30 again, winning an MVP. Okay. All right. And so I think this game is the start of the narrative for that. If he can keep it up. He's heard all the disrespect. He, he took it personally. (laughs) All right. And I'm the biggest fan in the world of him. I never doubted what he could do. I can't wait to see what he does for the uh, the rest of these 70 or so games. Honestly, this was a very mild warriors fanboydom by you. I'm quite surprised that you didn't talk some heavier shit here. Um, I am realistic about where the team is at right now. Um, I am not as down on them as everyone else is, but I do think they're still a good team that will use this season to build. And and Steve Kerr is going to use this to continue developing young players and figuring out who can do what on this team. They, um, you know, they're replacing a lot of their, their old core and their old, there's so much of their old offense before was read and react. And right now the guys are new and they don't know what each other can do. They're still getting used to each other. This team is going to get better as the season goes on, um, especially now that the season is shortened and they had less of a preseason than they normally would because of COVID protocols and whatnot. They've kind of gotten their uh, their feedback under them, and they're going to be better than people think they are. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles, some would say blatantly tanking in week 17 against the Washington football team. Run or pass? We got to run the ball, but we got to run it like – you know where it was Super Bowl against the Patriots-Giants where the running back tried to stop at the goal line? 
Who okay. was that? Was that Sproles? Or was that, or no, that was uh, Bradshaw for the Giants. That's how we run the ball today. We, we running it. We're going to try to pull up and stop. And, and we, just, we just don't finish because that's what Peterson did. He had Jalen Hurts, um, who he went to midseason after I had been calling for Hurts since like week two or three because of how bad Wentz had looked. Now, it turned out that we were both right. It was both Peterson and Wentz. Their relationship was just broken um, irreparably. And that is what was contributing to the team looking so bad on the field and why they looked much better when Jalen Hurts got on, both because he had a better relationship with Peterson and because he had a better relationship with his teammates who actually rallied around him much more than we ever saw them rally around Carson Wentz, more like they treated Nick Foles. But then he goes and basically starts to sabotage the relationship he has with Hurts, which was off to a good start by pulling him in a game where I believe they were only down three points late and they could have won to spoil the season for the Washington football team. And, you know, he said during the week that he was going to get this third string quarterback some reps, but you don't get him some reps just to get him some reps. Like, this is not the time. This is not the preseason. This is not some blowout loss. You were in this game in the last week of the season, and he just totally fits. And I think if he's going to destroy – well, I mean, I think the, the wins relationship is totally destroyed. There are reports and rumors that he wants out of Philly this offseason. He is on his way to destroying that relationship with Jalen Hurts. And if he somehow does that, he's got to go, no matter if he has a ring or not. I'm punching this into the goal line. Honestly, it doesn't matter. The game meant nothing, and Jalen Hurts should sit down and shut the fuck up. You know what you would rather prefer? Getting new, really good talent around you next year because your core of players that once were good are now all old and consistently broken over the past two seasons. So unless you want to play with that for a third fucking season, shut the fuck up. It's week 17 and it doesn't matter. Like, stop being so fucking short-sighted. I think this was more about Peterson's explanation not making any sense after the game as opposed to the decision itself. The decision itself is certainly, you know, head-scratching and bad, and in my opinion, but I think his explanation and his, like, just bold-faced lie, like... Hurts was on the sidelines, like, this ain't right. This ain't right. Like, he was on the sidelines having a little mini fit. You know, Kelsey came up to him, and, like, they said it was, like, a little bit of a, like, thing where he had to be held back. They all knew that Sudfield was going to play. They just did not think that he would basically play the beginning of the second half when they were only down three. They thought, like, oh... When it's like the fourth quarter, if we're up big or we're down big, we put him in there. But think about this. If they are thinking about shopping Carson Wentz, don't you want to see what the person that's supposed to back up Jalen Hurts looks like? There's no reason you can't see what the backup can do in camp next offseason or in practice. You know if well, he's well, got no, you, You're trying to ship Carson Wentz. So it's not about camp next season. You have to figure out if you need a new backup when you ship Carson Wentz off. Or if this guy is going to be able to be the real backup. So, like, I think it makes sense to want to see him, especially if you think Carson Wentz is gone. So, in your mind, sure, it makes sense. But can you name me another situation where this has happened? I can't think of one. Where Where teams are tanking? Well, not just full-on tanking because they were trying to win games and literally until that point. Well, that's because at that point it did not matter. They can no longer make the It didn't matter going into the game then. Why didn't they play Sudfield the whole game then? That that's fine. I, that, I, look, if you're like they should play Sudfield the whole game, I'm with if you. If what on you that. say is true, then they should have. I'm just saying that 
Doug Peterson cannot get up there in front of the media and say that we are tanking and expect the NFL to be okay with that and the the Eagles not to be punished. So he has to cap. It is his job to cap in that situation. Like they pay this man to cap in that situation. And I'm just well, saying bad at it. I'm just like you're always gonna be bad at it because the media knows when you are capping. You aren't Bill Belichick. I was right, say Belichick. You not Bill. You not Billy Beal. So, so we know what you cap it. You not Billy B. And I'm just even like, even John Gruden's better at lying. No, because when he, he was like, this season. he was like, oh, they pulled a prank on me because I came out with the Oakland Raiders hat. That was not a good lie. And it's still better than Dougie P. I, I was just saying. So, like the whole like hurt <laughs> his relationship with him should be like might be irrepe- irreparably torn. Sounds makes hurt sound like a child. And that's not who he should want to sound like as somebody that's supposed to be the franchise quarterback of an organization. That's fair, but I also think it's fair to say that Peterson is doing this to himself. And he's doing the right thing, though. Like doing this to himself makes no sense. He made the right move. Okay. It sounds like we're going to disagree on this. I got some questions. Who on that team's talent? What talent on that team has not been consistently hurt the last two years? Listen, I'm not saying people haven't been hurt, but listen, if, 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 you're, if you're trying to tank and you also want to see what the backup can do, you play him the whole game. You don't put him in when you're just barely down three to start the second half. When you, well, more importantly, it's not that hurt sounds like a kid. It's that quarterbacks are special and different when it comes to football and they get treated as such. And you don't want to damage a young quarterback's confidence who did literally nothing wrong by pulling him out of a game that you are only down by a field goal in late in the season, where at the very minimum you're playing for pride, but everybody on that football field is playing to be evaluated again in the offseason for their next job. So even if people have been hurt and they're playing backups, you don't start suddenly play the third string quarterback in the second half for, uh, for a good reason whatsoever. This, which is why you can't name another example of an, a team doing it, even when they have a similar situation to what the Eagles have had this season with a quarterback they benched and another young quarterback as a third stringer to want to see what he can do even when the season is over. The funniest part happen. about this to me is you don't see this because you don't see everybody on the team immediately call their backup quarterback trash. That's the, that's the real fucked up part about this. The reason why the narrative is this bad because Belichick sat camp so many times in random games where that world Stidham was never going to come back. Uh, Tua was sat. Like, the, the reason why this narrative was like that is because basically this dude has been on the team for four years. All of his teammates called him trash to the media and said that they were actively taking when they put him in, which is actually a fucked up locker room culture. Like, I think the players in Philly look worse than Peterson right now. Uh, I think uh, ultimately Peterson's responsible for the culture there. I want to move on to some questions I got for you. Um, so I got a few for you. You can choose again to run or to pass. The first question I have is currently the Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski, is scheduled to miss the Browns' first playoff game in like 20-some-odd some years. Um, don't you think they could just put him up in a press box by himself with a headset on instead of having him miss the game completely? So we're going to run with this. The Browns haven't been to the playoffs in 18 years. The Browns are on like a three-week bout with COVID, right? And they're unable to get it under control. They lost all of their receivers to the, when they played the Jets two weeks ago. And look, it's interesting because he still can't travel with the team. You don't want him anywhere near the team. So putting him up in a press box, I just don't think you want that style of temptation. He says he's going to be coaching virtually. 
But this is huge for me because he's not like a game manager style coach. He's not like a Bruce Arians. He's not like a mm-hmm. Bill Belichick. He is the play caller for that team. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to have an actual huge effect on the Browns. We know like the person that they put in, even if he is talented, he's their offensive coordinator right now. He is not going to call or see the game exactly the way Kevin Stefanski did. And as of late, Stevin, Kevin Stefanski has been on fire with his reads for Baker Mayfield and balancing the run in the pass and giving their play action a lot of good looks. So I think this is actually huge. I think the NFL is about to have a playoff game tarnished by COVID. And we um, see I, I no repercussions or adjustments by the NFL. I don't disagree with this game being tarnished by COVID, but it's, you know, it's Cleveland to Pittsburgh. It's not like Stefanski can't get in his car and, and drive that distance, you know, a, a, a day or two before without traveling with the team um, and then, you know, be up in a box. I think just like you said, he's the play caller. This is so important to the Browns. Um, why can't the NFL try some creative solution to try to keep as much? Like I know when a player um, has COVID, he can't be out there at all. He can't play. But I, I feel like a coach can still be isolated, call plays. But I don't know how the virtually coaching thing works because if, to my understanding, like coaches and players aren't even allowed to have like Apple watches on the sideline to communicate with outside folks. So unless the NFL is going to make a clear exception to that rule, I don't know how he has input on this game without being in the building or communicating with them electronically, which the NFL strictly prohibits. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think the NFL has said that balancing competitive fairness is not anything that they're concerned with. It's only about health and safety, which is why they're not making any adjustments or special exceptions, it seems like. And it's even worse because Cleveland has not had access to their practice facility for a large amount of the last three weeks because the practice facility keeps getting shut down due to COVID. Like they also got two more players that tested positive this week and everything is pointing towards the fact that they are not even going to consider a bubble for later playoff games. Can we imagine if this happens in the super for the super bowl? Yes. Especially with the new more contagious strain of COVID having community transmission in America. Um, We don't have a COVID section this week, but I think that's important to point out. Um, I mean, the Browns basically lost the game because they had no wide receivers. Um, in a close game to, I believe that was to the Jets. That time. was. Um, so I th- think this is going to be a big deal. I, I think we predicted this, that the, the NFL season and the playoffs would ultimately be impacted by COVID. I think, of course, just like we said, the NFL should have seen this coming and figure out a way to to, to do something about this. I, I thought at the time the best way to fix it was a bubble. Um, they obviously aren't going to do that. That would have taken a lot more planning uh, than they have uh, time for right now. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's go out west to Phoenix um, and Devin Booker. So recently, Devin Booker made some pretty um, inflammatory comments about Paul George of the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Do you think that Booker's comments on Paul George are felt by the majority of NBA stars? So, look, we're going to pass on this one, but it's it. Look. I think it's funny. That he called, he called Paul George a soft ass nigga on the court. He yelled it. He yelled. So everybody in Airshot heard him yell, You soft ass mm-hmm. nigga. So I think it's funny. Paul George, after the game, said no one tested him or taught this type of mess his last 10 years in the league, but he's also never flamed out so fantastically before. And I think everybody 
after what happened in the playoffs, after he was vulnerable with the media, and then try to say he was back after one game, then shit the bed all over again. People smell blood in the water. And in particular, Devin Booker and the Suns smell blood in the West. And they aren't fucking with anybody. Yeah, uh, Devin Booker, along with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, are off to a great start out West. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our latest COVID news out of the NBA. Um, Kevin Durant is currently in a seven-day quarantine uh, due to a positive COVID contact who I believe was in uh, the apartment with him where he lives. Um, do you think that the situation, does the situation make you believe the NBA needs a bubble to get to the playoffs without their playoffs in 2021 being tarnished by COVID-19? So I'm going to pass on this one because the players have been pretty upfront about not wanting to ever do that bubble experience again. And I think after the NFL went through a whole season without doing it, it's not going to be a thing. But the most interesting part about this story is that family members and close contacts of NBA players are allowed to be regularly tested for the coronavirus. So they are kind of doing a better job than the NFL, but that probably helps as there's less people of trying to catch possible contagions earlier in the chain. So before possibly the close contact to KD could have infected KD, then KD infected the team. They kind of got it a step earlier in the chain. And I think that actually bodes really well for the NBA and their COVID protocols and what it'll look like this season. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquet. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things that athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. So this week's Ballers Bouquet goes out to Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, just before Christmas, um, around December 21st, Juju and his foundation aptly called the Juju Foundation paid off over $25,000 in layaway for families during the pay away the layaway event at Burlington Co. Factory for families in both Pittsburgh and California, where Juju Smith-Schuster is, fr- Smith is from, where he starred at Long Beach Polytechnic High School. This donation helped over 170 families get Christmas gifts for their children this holiday season. Uh, 2020, as we, as we know, was a particularly rough year for many all around the United States for a variety of reasons, whether it was someone who you know, got COVID-19 and couldn't work, people who lost their job due to businesses closing, or any other number of situations that could have come up this past year. So it is good that Juju Smith-Schuster and his foundation decided to give people some hope in this time of need. About this act, Juju said, quote, I am truly blessed to be able to give back to families in Pittsburgh and California during the holidays. We hope paying off these layaway balances will cause a sense of relief and lift the spirit of all of these families. So um, this is, of course, another heartwarming story, a part of the heart of our show. Uh, And we have brought you many stories about the charitable foundations of athletes from both the NFL and NBA over our first 16 episodes of the Fire Out podcast. But today we want to go even further and we want to be even more encouraging about your uh, donations to these organizations. So to kick that off, we are going to share 
uh, a list of organizations from your favorite NBA and NFL stars that you can donate to. And to be good role models, we will be donating to two different organizations this Friday. So keep a lookout for that on Twitter. We? And you can join us. Nigga, ah, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm done. I'm done. I'm like, damn, I'm trying to be charitable. <laughs> or even if it was we, why would you be upset about being charitable <laughs> and helping out some, some poor kids or something? I just, I just on, thought bro. another nigga was counting my pockets. And I was like, what's going on over here? We? You got it. <laughs> we? We? <laughs> I'll play. He he does mean we we will be doing so. We'll be kicking that off this Friday with two donations. So keep a lookout for on social media, on Twitter and Instagram for that. And uh, we'll create a hashtag for this so you can go ahead and show us your donations after you have done the same. And that is the Ballers Bouquet for this week. It's a it's a it's it's a Playboy affair. All right, that is it for episode seventeen of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we appreciate you all for listening. We have been virtual slash remote recording for the last week, and I guess this makes episode two for that. We appreciate you all for bearing with us. We are trying to get to video ASAP as soon as we can get back together in person. I mean. COVID did not yeah. stop with 2020. Well, just like the Cleveland Browns, we are still running from COVID. Um, it hasn't gotten us yet, but it's gotten real close, um, too close for comfort. So we're being as cautious as possible. Um, we hope that all of you are as well. Um, all of you are typically pretty smart people. And I'm sure that you see all the things happening in our country. The pandemic is raging from Los Angeles not having enough oxygen to that capital being stormed on Wednesday. Uh, go ahead and join us this Friday in donating to one of these organizations. Um, catch us on Twitter and Instagram at the Fly Route Pod. Thank you all for rocking with us. Moving into 2021, we still see our international listeners going hard for us. We got listeners in the UK and Russia spilling over, continuing to listen and follow up with us. We appreciate all of you, and we can't wait to give you all episode 18 next Friday.